right, you guys with me? This is Brews and Boxing. I'm your host, Filthy Rich. Joining me as always, Mr. Judge Jimmy James. How you doing, Judge? I am good today. Uh, we we'll probably won't touch on this, and maybe we will. Probably not. But uh, Mick Conlon fights this weekend uh, at a weird time, like 1 in the afternoon or something like that, maybe 4 in the afternoon on ESPN. Give it a, give it a show. It's going to be a good show. Yeah, I'm a big Mick Conlon guy. Look, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, and all that good stuff so we can blow up big and bring more stuff to you guys. Uh, got some bruising news today, breaking down the 154 division. Uh, before we do all that, should we toast it up and uh, have one for the team? Time to crack a brew. All right, crack it open. Judge, this one's for you. There you go, Let's Have Rich. a good show. Mm-hmm. One more to you, too, there, Raider Live. You too, Raider Live. All right. So, bruising news time. We touch on the latest news topics going on in the world of boxing. Our first story today ESPN's Mike Coppinger is reporting that Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring have an agreement in place to get it on in either late October or early November. James, my question for you, is this the fight you want to see these two guys do, or should they be fighting other opponents? Well, Rich, that is a a good question. Uh, I honestly don't know who else Herring would really pair up against. Um, after he won the title from Frampton and essentially ending his career. Uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Thought Frampton was going to win that fight, but Herring definitely had something, you know, showed some gut and and knocked him out. Um, so for him to fight Shakur Stevenson, I think that's probably a, a good big-name fight for Herring. As far as Stevenson being the one to fight Herring, I think Stevenson just wants to get a belt. I think he really wants to fight a higher contender at 130. And he just wants a belt, and that's the only way he's going to get it. I think after his last fight, he stated, like, once I get this belt from Herring, let's go. I don't remember who he was calling out, but he called out somebody. I don't want to say Virgil Ortiz, but that doesn't make any sense. Right. But he called out somebody and it was hundred percent like, wow, I, that's what he wants. That's what he wants to do. He wants to keep moving up. He's at that time. Now he's no longer a prospect. Now he's a force. He is, I believe like what, one of the toughest guys to hit by CompuBox status. So, you know, take that for what it is, but I mean, we've all seen him fight. He definitely is, uh, is someone like that. So I think it'll be an entertaining fight. I think it's a good fight for Herring. Stevenson, I think this is, he could probably find a better fight, but he's got a belt. He's got to get something on the resume to get a bigger fight. So that's yeah. probably my take on that. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with all of that. I think something with Herring that comes to mind before he won this title from Frampton, I mean, I, I think for sure, I, I don't remember our predictions on this, but before that Herring fight, or I'm sorry, before the Frampton fight, Herring was squeezing out victories. Uh, some of the fights I thought he barely won. I don't know how he got the nod. At the end of the day, he got the nod, and I guess that's all that matters. He ends up fighting Frampton, which I thought Frampton would probably be the favorite. He ends up beating Frampton. I think he knocked Frampton down in that fight where, yeah, Frampton's career was, you know, he eventually called it quits. But with Herring... Uh, there's still flaws in his game. And I know I've touched on this before. When you get that title, sit on it for a little bit. Cause the last thing you want to do is lose it. Your very next fight. You don't want to be like, I remember when I, I believe it was uh, Kane who won the, the world title at like WrestleMania and the very next night on raw, he lost it. So uh, I think he was a world champion for about 24 hours you don't Herring does not want that. And if I'm Herring's team, I don't want his first title defense to be a fight where he is most likely going to lose and fighting Shakur Stevenson. He is most likely going to lose. So in Herring's case, I would say play around with another fighter, defend that belt. I'm not saying duck Stevenson, 
you, you're not going to have a choice when it comes to Stevenson. You're both on top rank. It's going to be an easy fight to make. I don't know where the other belts are, but uh, th- that fight is inevitable. Uh, on Shakur Stevenson's side, Sh- Shakur has been waiting for this. I feel bad for the guy. I have no beef with him going after uh, Jamel Herring just so he can get a title and bring that bargaining chip to the table. So on Shakur Stevenson's side, yes, he should want any belt he can get. This is the easiest fight to make. I don't know if unifying is something he's really has his heart set on doing, but you get one belt, good. You can move up. This is the belt. This is the easiest one to get because it is top rank, and Herring has flaws in his game. And then on Herring's side, I think he should uh, sit on that belt. I'm not saying dodge the man, but defend it a couple times and then, you know, gracefully hand it off to Shakur where it's going to end up anyways. Yeah. Right. Real quick before we move on. Yeah, it was yeah. Oscar Valdez is who he was calling out. That's the fight that he wanted to do. So I just wanted to make sure I corrected that because I said Virgil Ortiz. It wasn't Ortiz. It was Oscar Valdez. My bad. That's who he's calling out after this herring fight when he has a belt. So. Yeah. And even with Valdez, because he beat Burchelt, I thought it was Valdez. I don't know why I didn't say that one, but uh, Burchelt, they're both on top rank. Burchelt just came off a loss. I don't know. Maybe Shakur fights Burchelt to let Herring sit on that belt. Or maybe Herring fights Burchelt so he can fight. But I think Burchelt beats Herring, man. I'll be honest with you. So Burchelt just needs to fight some scrub who's trying to make a name for himself or someone who's going to be out of the boxing game any minute now. Get them dollars while you can. You're like 30 something years old. Like mm-hmm. you don't have much of a career left. Like these are your glory days. This is going to be it. You're going to be telling your grandchildren. You know, I held the belt for a long time. Not that, hey, I held the belt for a month and Shakur beat me. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that because he's a big fan of the show. No, he's not. Should we move on? <laughs> let's, let's move on. All right. So uh, Boxing News 24-7's Chris Williams reporting that Bob Arum, there's that name. Bob Arum says that Vasil Lomachenko could face Richard Comey or Devin Haney on December 11th. So my question for you is, who would you rather see Lomachenko fight between Comey and Haney? Or do you have a trick up your sleeve and it's neither one of these guys? Hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd love to throw a curveball in here uh, for this stuff. But if I had to pick between Comey and Haney, I would probably rather see Lomachenko fight Haney. Uh, Lomachenko just came back. Uh, after his loss from Teofimo Lopez, looking like the Lomachenko of O's against Nakatani. Um, and he was not a, he's a, he's a kind of a vicious fighter and he kind of played with him for the, the, well, pretty much the whole, the whole fight. Right. And that's the Lomachenko that we all know. Uh, that's the Lomachenko that I love. So I, I would definitely rather see him fight Haney. I think that's actually the more, uh, the more risky fight for sure. Uh, Richard Comey is the safer bet as far as that goes, um, even with the power that Comey has, but he still hasn't really been too active since he lost to Teofimo Lopez uh, with that, you know, the knockout in the first or second round. So I think I would rather have him see Devin Haney. I think that's a good fight for both fighters, especially if Lopez is saying that he will not give a rematch to Lomachenko. He beats Haney he's not really going to have a big reason to not fight Lomachenko again for Lopez Lomachenko too. So that's what I would want to see. I don't want to see Devin Haney fight him. Yeah, I I get the Devin Haney thing. Devin Haney apparently has one of these belts. As uh, as Devin Haney tells the story, we'll just pretend this is the WBC. Uh, Lomachenko had the WBC regular belt. And Devin Haney claims that Lomachenko ducked him and instead of forfeiting the title they gave Lomachenko the franchise title so he never really won this franchise title he was awarded a franchise title Devin Haney was now awarded or maybe he won the regular belt that's why these belts don't matter but so yeah I think that the right answer is Haney but follow me with where I'm going here Lomachenko just beat Nakatani, who went the distance with Teofimo Lopez. Uh, Teofimo Lopez beat Richard Comey, and I think it was like two rounds, two or four rounds or something. Uh, 
I think Lomachenko should fight Richard Comey. I'm not done yet. Because after this, if this Gambosis fight actually happens with Lopez, then Lomachenko can go on and fight Gambosis. And just go on and anything you can do, I can do better. Stop ducking me. Uh, let's get it on. Now, if there is already some sort of agreement in place for Lomachenko and Lopez, then forget what I just said. Then none of that stuff matters. But if uh, Lopez is maybe planning on moving up or maybe just you know doesn't think Lomachenko has that clout or whatever it is, uh, then it's probably Lomachenko's best interest to collect one of these alphabet titles, get it from Devin Haney, because I think he could beat Devin Haney. And now he has something to bring to the table uh, where like Lopez can't duck him anymore. Any thoughts on that? I, I definitely follow you there. You're going to beat beat the guys that you've already, that Lopez has already beat, and you're going to do it better. And that's going to make people go, well, why don't you? But he's beating everybody that you beat, only he, beat it, he did it quicker. He knocked them out or he did this. So I definitely see that. So that's actually a good argument. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink that. Good. Yeah, argument. I want to I drink to that too. I'll let you drink and then uh, I'll get to it. Uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on point today. <laughs> we'll see if you're on point in the next news yeah no doubt so moving on to uh like i guess super middleweight news here or we can call it regular middleweight uh boxing news 24 7's tim compton is reporting that jamal charlo is ready to face caleb plant at 168 i guess to ask you know, what are your general thoughts on Charlo moving up to fight Caleb Plant at 168. Well, that's a move because before this news, I keep forget I, I keep forgetting that Charlo's at 160. It just for whatever reason it keeps slipping my mind. Like right, the brothers are only a, a, a division away from each other. So for him to say that he's just going to jump up to the next division right away already and then fight well Plant for a belt, obviously definitely a big name fight. The large fight probably be a pay-per-view but then to not still try to not fight andre or triple g at 160 it's it's interesting so um you know what's i think it would be a good fight i think it would be a really big pay-per-view if 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 he can jump in soon because plant and canelo dropped you know is now muerto then why not do it now? Get it up, get it in. If you think you can beat them, then more power to you, Charlo. But I think it's going to be way closer, especially considering the Charlo brothers last couple of fights. They don't really look that great. And I don't know if age is catching up to them or if it's cockiness or what, but they're, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's going to, it would be a really good fight to watch. That would be an explosive fight to watch because they really aren't defensive fighters. So. Yeah, I kind of I kind of hear what you say uh what you're saying there. I also have to mention that and I've said this before with guys like uh Gilberto Ramirez, when they aren't looking good at their weight, it could be a sign that they are weight drained and that uh the laws of physics or the laws of gravity, some sort of law we can't control, it's telling them it's time to move up. Cutting all this weight is not healthy for you. It's nice you want to be at 160, but it's time to go to 168. And as far as, you know, Andrade and Golovkin and some of these other guys go, I mean, those fights just aren't going to happen. We have contractual issues. I mean, the problem with boxing is these contractual, these television issues. Uh, these guys are signed with Fox and some of these other guys are signed with, you know, DAZN or ESPN. I mean, this is, you know, go, going back to like wrestling terminology. It's like when, when Goldberg was at the top of his game, people wanted to see him fight stone cold at the top of his game. It's just not going to happen. These guys are on different like channels and they're in different, almost leagues. They're all wrestlers, but they're on different channels. That's how this boxing game is working. It's interfering a lot. But you know we we're given what's taken. Is that does that make sense? Probably not. I'm probably saying that wrong. Too too many beers in. But uh, it probably is time for him to move up. He's not looking good at 160, especially from his last fight against Montiel. It's probably time to move up. PBC is loaded with guys at 168. Plant is one of them. Uh, Benavidez is one, and Uskadegi is fighting. Uh, there's three names for you. Caleb Truex is still 
you know, relevant right now. So yeah, you move up to 168. Uh, your brother Jermel, who's not looking too well his last few fights, the last couple years, probably time for him to move up. Errol Spence with uh, the same trainer wants to move up to 154 by next year. So the dominoes will start falling once Jermel moves up. And if he's ready for plant, that could be a big fight. You know how I'm against guys moving up, fighting the top guy at the division. But this one, I think, makes sense. I mean, you got a belt on the line. And I know, look, it sounds like I'm talking out of both ends, but like go after that belt if you can, because that is something extra. You would really want a Canelo fight. Uh, you can do all the jawing. Maybe you can get a Canelo fight if that's what you're really looking for. Any thoughts on that? We'll see, man. That's that's interesting. I don't know. Canelo's real picky. Seems to be real picky with who he fights, but he wants big name fights. He wants big payday. Well, I don't even know if he wants big paydays. It's probably big legacy. At this point, it's probably all legacy. So if that's what he wants, so I, yeah, I can I can probably drink to that. Awesome. And let me tell you this: like we're foresee like foreshadowing like a year from now. But if Charlo and Canelo get it on, Charlo's from Houston. Uh, have it at Jerry's world where both guys are going to have heavy, uh, crowd favoritism. So I think that would be a big fight. Let's not look too far ahead, but let us wrap up with bruising news. And one last time, let's drink to that. Cheers to you. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Filthy five time tonight. We are going to break down the 154 division, the junior middleweight or super welterweight as the boxing people call it. Uh, point systems work. Number one uh, gets 10 points. Number two gets nine points. So on down the line. So we get number 10 spot gets one point. I had my list. James had a list. Raider live had a list. We combined our list together. Point totals were distributed. And we'll move into our number five spot. James, who do we have at number five for the junior middleweight division? All right. At number five in the junior middleweight at 154, we have Jarrett Hurd with 18 points. Uh, this was actually a surprise to me. I'll tell you that right now. So, but uh, Raider Live had Jarrett Hurd at number five. I had Jarrett Hurd at number eight. And Rich, you had Jarrett Hurd at number Two, <laughs> and I forgot about that until right now. So we are going to pass it to you. Why are, do you believe Jared Hurd is the number two contender at 154? Yeah, so th I have to look at this 154 division and just kind of guess who I think would win in a fight. And this one was tough because Jared Hurd's last fight was on that Mayweather undercard, the Mayweather Paul undercard. Uh, and he lost to Luis Arias. Uh, keep in mind that fight not only was at 160, where Jared Hurd uh, may have not felt comfortable, but it was also in the rain. I, I think part of the reason why he lost that fight, it, when you have to watch your own footing because you might slip and fall and tear your Achilles or something, you're going to fight more cautiously. Yes, I mean, Luis Arias won. He for sure won. There was no, like, judging issues in this fight. He deserved to win that. But had that fight been on, like, regular padding or something else, now I'm throwing excuses, but I think it, maybe he doesn't belong at 160. Maybe he belongs at 154. And if I look at this 154 list, he's beat. He's already beaten Iris Landy Lara. He's beaten Austin Trout. He's beaten Tony Harrison. Those are a few of the biggest names in this division. I put him at number two because he just has the best resume who's not number one. Interesting. I did not know that Arias fight was in the rain. That was outside? It was outside and it was raining and they kept on like cleaning up corners and stuff. It was a disaster. It was, it, it's too bad that that had to happen. They shouldn't be having fights in Southern California. Never rains there. Come to Minnesota. Never rains here. So <laughs> like, if you're going to have the fight outside, go where there's a drought, go to Phoenix, go somewhere. But I don't know where that fight was, but they shouldn't have outdoor boxing if there's rain in the forecast fair enough 
Fair enough. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. It makes uh, some good points. Definitely some good points. Uh, Raider probably agreed with you a little more than I did. Obviously, having him up at five, uh, I put him at eight because I think that the guys above him either beat him or give him enough trouble to beat him. Like I, I just him and another guy in this division. Uh, I think they're just they're past it for me. Um, so that's why I have heard at eight, you know, obviously you guys bumped it up as far as that goes. He's definitely not a bad fighter by any means, uh, you know, 26 and two with 16 knockouts. I just don't, I don't know if he has the same stuff, but it might have to change my rankings a little bit because I not realized that Arias fight was in the rain. Uh, Cause I know there was some controversy as far as that goes, but either way, that's what we have at number five is uh, Jared Hurd with 18 points. All right, so let's, I guess, move on to number four here. Uh, James, who, as a collective group, do we have at number four? So why, number, do you have that, why do you have that smile on your face before I say that? I, I can't wait. It's just, it's just my face. It's just okay. interesting. You know, I'm just, happy to do, I'm just happy to do the filthy five, right? Sweet. I'll drink to that. <laughs> so <laughs> at number four, our general consensus pick is actually with 20 points. Iris Landy Lara. So the guy that you just said beat Hurd um, or lost to Hurd. Uh, Raider had him at number four. I also had Lara at number four, and you had him at number six. So a little number five. My bad. Sorry about that. So just one spot down. Since Raider's not here for me to pass to him, I'm going to talk about Iris Landy Lara. I think that he's. Definitely this top five division, man. He's been around forever. It seems like he's been around forever, right? Yeah. And he's always top talent. He he just, he's always, at least for me, he's always top talent. He only has three losses. He's 28 and three. He just, it's kind of a bummer because he had, back in the day, he was he was touted as such a, a prospect, like the, the prospect for a long, long time. And he was still, I mean, he's like I said, he's still a good fighter, man. I don't have any issues um, with him being up this high. If we look at the resume that makes it a little bit different for sure. But I, you know, I just, I don't think he's done. He's lost to her. He's drew against Castaño. It seems like everybody draws against Castaño. You know, split decision loss to Alvarez. So uh, I think Laura deserves to be in the top five. I've got him that high for that reason. But Rich, why do you, why did you have Laura uh, the lowest of all of us? Yeah. I, you know, I, I look at this list and like, don't get me wrong. This, this 154 division is pretty deep. I mean, I could probably go 15 deep in this division. It's a really healthy division right now. And to have Lara at number five, given his age and his awkward southpaw Cuban, I believe he's a southpaw, but he's got that Cuban style where it's super defensive, uh, in, in general terms, a boring fighter. Uh, this guy is hard to beat. I don't think he has the power some of these other guys in this division have, but he's got he could possibly have the best skills out of everyone in this division. I think he can beat everyone here on points. Now, can he, if, if, can he knock anyone out the guys below him? Yeah. I think he can not only beat them on points, but he can knock them guys out. The guys I had ahead of him. I think they win because they can knock Lara out. And I don't even know if Lara has been knocked out in his career, but, um, uh, Power is what has him lacking from my perspective. And, you know, had he had more, had, had he had more power, has more power, then maybe he moves up. But even speaking of moving up, I'm pretty sure he's going to be, we'll be ranking him at middleweight. He'll be moving up to middleweight sometime in 2022. Anything you want to add before we move to number three? Do you, do you think he's going to move up still? You think he's got a chance to move up? I mean, I'm look, I, I looked, I looked up his age because I forgot. I knew he was old. He's 38 years old right now. Yeah. You think he still has to? I mean, okay, Cuban. 
right? Yeah. Guillermo Rigondeau, what's up? Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, they yeah. play forever. It seems yeah. like they're eternal. Do you think he has enough left in the tank, especially being the style of fighter that he is, to move up in weight to one last hurrah? Well, for one thing, because he's that defensive southpaw fighter, his body probably hasn't taken the beating that other fighters younger than him have taken. So for one, I, I think he still has a few miles left. What was the saying I use? Enough oil in the engine? I said something like about a year ago. He has enough oil in the engine or is something stupid. But <laughs> he has gas left in the tank. Yeah, okay. That's well, he has is. that too. He has that too. Here's the thing. He hasn't been taking a beating. Yeah, he's 38 years old, but there's a difference between being a 38-year-old Lara and being like a a 29-year-old somebody who just puts their head and gets smashed and has cuts all over their face. You know, he does not have that. Now, as far as moving up to 160, which I think is what you're really asking here, uh, a 38-year-old moving up to 160, again, I, I think it's one of those things where God is telling him he can't make weight anymore, or Father Time is telling him you can't make weight. You have to move up. And I, I don't think he's failing at 154, but I think he can move up to 160, bring that style with him, and his body won't take the punishment. Now, who could he fight at 160? I don't know, but I believe there are already some sites that have him ranked as a 160 fighter. So uh, just like uh, Hurd, who... You know, we we will probably be talking about him at 160 next year. I think Lara will be talking about him at 160 as well. Right on. Should we move on to number three? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Who do you got? Who do we have collectively at number three in this filthy five junior middleweight division? All right. At number three, we have the hammer Erickson Lubin with 24 points. Not a big surprise here. Uh, Raider Live had Erickson Lubin at number three. I had Erickson Lubin at number three. And Rich had Erickson Lubin at, you guessed it, number three. So where does that put him on the list? Number three. First consensus, you know what? Might as well have a social real quick. Let's have a beer. Perfect time to crack it. If Raider Live's watching, I don't like him. No, I think he's yeah. nailed this list better than both of us right now. <laughs> Cheers to you, Raider Live. And to you, Jimmy James. All right. So since we all have a tie across the board, um, we'll probably toss it since I went last time. I'll toss it to you, Rich. Why did you have the hammer, Erickson Lubin, at number three? Look, he had, I think like, this is the only guy who has... Like Heard, I had at number two, he fought Charlo. Uh, Lubin fought Charlo, got knocked out like the first 30 seconds or whatever it is of that fight. Uh, but since then, he's bounced back. He's beaten like Terrell Gaucher. That was a huge card, like top to bottom. I think Lara was actually on that card. Maybe he fought Austin Trout. I think Austin Trout was for sure on that card. Another, uh, I think Jermel may have been on that. That was a big card back then. Erickson Lubin has clearly bounced back. Uh, again, one of those process of elimination things. I think he has the ability to knock out everyone I have ranked below him. Uh, I had Herd number two. I think Herd gives him a challenge. Uh, I'd like to see that fight. And if they ever get it on, I predict Herd wins, but. All it would take is for Lubin to win, and Lubin would be ranked number two until he gets a bigger name, and we kind of know who that name is. But I'm kind of glad. I think Lubin deserves to be at number three. This is exactly where he should be. Where about a year ago, I don't even. I think he barely makes the top five. Why do you have him at three? Oh, I've got him at three. Just be look that. I thought he was dominant at this division before he fought Charlo, right? He was moving up. If you want to get to the numbers, he was 20, but I don't remember exactly what he was with Charlo, maybe like 19 and 0 at the time, but he's 24 one with 17 knockouts, right? His only loss is to Charlo. And that Charlo was a flash knockdown. It was the perfect punch when he leaned in. If you want to talk about the same style punch, you can go back to Canelo hitting Billy Joe Saunders to where he broke his orbital bone. That's like the exact same punch that dropped Erickson Lubin. And he hasn't been stopped since. And in fact, in his last fight, he knocked out 
uh, Jason Rosario. That's a big name in this division too. So yeah. he is definitely, I, I don't, I think that this guy still has more to more to prove. I, I don't, I don't think he's done. I think he is, I, I could even put him higher than this. Like he's in the prime of his life right now in, in terms of, in terms of fighting. And if I could see a Charlo rematch, uh, a Jermel Charlo rematch, which probably will never happen. But if I could see that, man, oh, boy, Charlo, you better watch yourself because that's going to be dangerous for you uh, 100%. But I've, I've got Lubin up here because I think he is still going to be a force at 154 for at least the next three years. I, I don't know if he's going to move up. I think he's going to dominate. Uh, if he can fight Charlo, cool. If he can't, uh, if Charlo leaves, he's probably going to dominate this division moving forward as far as that goes for it. So, you know, when you were talking about how the guy is in his prime and he just like had that one loss and now that he's gotten over it, you know, it reminds me a lot of Canelo and Mayweather. Mayweather got the best of Canelo when he was pre-primed or just like beginning to enter that prime. And I think that's what happened with that Charlo Lubin fight. I feel like Charlo got the best of him while Lubin was still young. And now that Lubin has gotten a little older, gained more experience, he's ready to fight Charlo again. And just like you said, we'll, you know, we want to see that fight, but we probably won't get it. And if we, and if by chance we do get it, I'm sure Charlo would be favored, but don't count Erickson Lubin out in a rematch like that. Do not count Erickson Lubin out. I'd like to move him up, but three is where I think he fits. I think, you know, Outside of two and one, we all kind of agree. Uh, before we move on, let's uh, let's do some best of the rest. Guys who aren't number one and two and not three, four, and five. James, uh, <laughs> I guess just throw some names out there and let's uh, play around with them. We'll do that, right? So we're just going to pop through uh, the rest. So six through ten real quick. And this, again, is our consensus. So these are the guys that we all had ranked that weren't in the top five that ended up being uh, six through ten and in this order, right? So at number six, we actually had Tony Harrison with ten points. So just outside. Number seven, J-Rock Julian Williams with nine points. Real close. Number eight, Danny Swift Garcia at number with, with eight points. And the reason I have him... Well, never mind. Hold on. I'll go, let me go keep going for number nine is Jason Rosario, who just mentioned at number nine with eight points as well. The reason I have Danny Swift or what the reason I kept him at eight and nine is because whatever it's I made. I did this part of it. Swift's better than Rosario. So I put him <laughs> at eight. All right. And at number 10 <laughs> with four points rounding out the top 10 for us is actually the towering inferno, Sebastian Fundura. So that's who we had. Tony Harrison at six, Williams, uh, J-Rock at seven, Danny Swift Garcia at eight, Jason Rosario at nine, Sebastian Ventura at 10. Do you, I mean, like, so what do you, I mean, what do you think of those six through 10? Is any of those a surprise to you or do, does that seem pretty standard as far as uh, what you had for your list? Well, so at number six, you said Tony Harrison and yeah. he did not make my top 10. Which I like as soon as you said that, I'm mind blown. I did not have Tony Harrison in there. Uh, I don't even know if I want to go through my list, but that's the one that'd be one that you know. I think I had him at if we had, like I said, we can go 15 deep on this one, and I know I had him between 11 and 15. So, uh, and this is a deep division, there's no knock on Tony Harrison just because I didn't have him at six. like. Dude's but, a pretty good fighter, so d- d- I have bef- no beef with that. So just real quick, you had him at 11, so you were right. Me and Raider Live had Tony Harrison at 6. That's why Tony Harrison is at 6 overall in these yeah. standings, is because of me and Raider Live. So, um, I will say, you know, if there's one more guy... Danny Garcia has not fought at 154 yet. Uh, we're kind of like foreseeing him. He said he's moving up. My guess is his next fight's going to be at 154. So we had him ranked. Um, I had him where I had him because I think he's a formidable opponent for guys at 154. But 
you got to prove it before I put you somewhere in the top five. Had he just pounded somebody, I don't care who it is. I want to see what the guy looks like at 154. And I think I had him at nine, but I have no problem moving Danny Garcia up. I, I'm a big Danny Garcia fan. I think uh, he gets a lot of flack for some odd reason. But uh, if anything, those are two guys I talk about. I just found out Tim Zoo is related to Costa Zoo. This is Costa Zoo's son. I did not know that until about a week ago. And you guys want to see one of the best knockouts of all time? Costa Zoo versus uh, uh, Zab Judah. Punch Zab Judah. Zab Judah falls down, stands back up, points to the ref, and falls back down. Costa Zoo and Zab Judah. Check out that knockout. It's one, it's one of the, I don't mean to say funny, but one of the uh, coolest knockouts uh, you'll ever see. All right. Uh, do you want to touch on any? Do you, you got to check that out. I wish you could throw a gif up there. Uh, do you want to touch on anyone before we move on to two and one? Check out Costa Zoo. I might have to find that. I did yeah, that, not. I did not know that. That's like, yeah, hilarious. It, it makes so much sense that Tim Zoo is getting the credit. Uh, he's born into boxing. He's Costa Zoo's son. And when I think of Costa Zoo, I think of Zab Judah and that knockout. So yeah, you got. I mentioned uh, Andre Durrell and. Uh, Uskadiki last week. This week, if we did Jimmy James fight of the week, it would be Casa Zoo versus Ab Judah. <laughs> I'll drink right to on. that. Right on. Yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to, uh, I mean, off this list, um, there's only one thing I really wanted to touch on, and that was going to be um, Danny Garcia. We might touch on some other stuff in a little at the end uh, of here, but I, I kind of, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. It's just terrible. I keep forgetting about Danny Garcia because he's not a bad fighter. He's only lost three times in his whole career, right? Like 36 and three. Like he is a, he is a beast. And those three losses. Yeah. Errol Spence, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, all decisions. And One. all like six, six. I mean, the, the, he like, they were all super close. He may have gotten robbed in all three of them. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely got robbed against Thurman, but either way, like this is, this is a dude who I have no problem putting him up. If you want to know on my list, I had Danny Garcia at number five, right? So this was boom. I think he is a, I think he's a really good fighter. So it's interesting to see. I keep forgetting that he hasn't fought at this division. So that's credit to you uh, for, for that tidbit. To but, that. Yeah, why not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Danny Garcia is going to, going to make a name. Uh, especially if a Charlo guy goes up, there's not going to be too many big names for here. So he's going to be a guy that's going to be in top fights at uh, 154, uh, 100%. So. Awesome. So we, should we just go on to number two? Who do we have at number two? I have a feeling lay it on me. <laughs> so at number two, our general consensus here on bruising boxing is actually going to be with 26 points. Brian Castaño. Brian Castaño is number two. I had Brian Castaño at number two. Rich had Brian Castaño at number four. And Raider Live had Brian Castaño at number one, which brings them all the way up to number two on our list, right? So I'm actually going to flip this a little bit because normally we talk about, you know, whoever has them highest. I want to know why you have Brian Castaño at number four, Rich. That's interesting to me, especially given that last fight against Charlo. So take it away. Yes. So um, I thought it was a tough fight with Charlo, but you know when it went one through about four, even five, because I had Lara at five. It was a toss-up between uh, Lara and Castaño. Uh, Castaño had a good fight with Charlo. I thought Charlo won the fight. I know you and Raider Live thought Castaño won the fight, which is fine. I, I, I'm I okay with a draw on this. Uh, it is what it is. I would have put Lara at number five, or I'm sorry, at number four ahead of Castaño because of that Canelo fight. Because I thought Lara beat Canelo, but that was so long ago. This is a what have you done for me lately world. So I had Castaño at four. I look at him fighting Lubin. I think Lubin beats him. I think Jared Hurd beats him. And my opinion, I had Charlo beating him. Outside of that, Castaño whooped up uh, Teixeira. That's all he has 
on his resume. Go out and beat J-Rock and Rosario and maybe Danny Garcia. Those are three guys on the PBC. And if Castaño is with the PBC, which I'm not sure, I think he's one of them independent fighters who can go from, because uh, I think his fight with Teixeira was on the zone. Maybe he goes back to the zone and fights you know, someone on the zone. But right now, if you are with the PBC, you've got three fights you can make. You beat those guys, and I have no problem moving you up a little bit at least. But right now, I don't think he beats Hurd and Lubin, so I had him at four. Interesting. That's super interesting. So you want to talk like <sighs> you want to talk about Castaño and who he's got, right? Like he has no losses. He has two draws. I definitely think Castaño won um, in the Charlo fight. I'm not upset with the draw because it definitely could have been a draw. I thought he knocked him down in one of the early oh, yeah. rounds. We know we ain't got to go and rehash that. But his <laughs> other draw is against Iris Landy Lara. That's huge as far as I'm concerned, uh, because that was, what, two years ago. So that wasn't recent at all. So I I think Estanio is a heck of a lot better than people realize. He definitely has flaws in his game, 100%. But this man, just with the fact of what he did against Charlo, for me anyway, and how he handled, really handled Teixeira, he handles larger fighters five, six inches taller than him with absolutely no problem whatsoever, which is super, it's odd, right? It's super odd. It's like, it's like a Sean Porter type deal where he doesn't, like the height doesn't matter. It's it's how do you box and Castaño's got it, right? At least, at least that's how I feel. So I definitely have Castaño where he put him at two. I don't think I'd put him lower. The I know what I just said about Lubin and Charlo. I'm just going to ask you. I, was just I know throw what I just you. said about that, but I just, I think Astanius, I think that would be a, man, if I got to go, I might have to go back. I go back. That is probably a, a better fight. I want to see Lubin fight Charlo just because I want him to get revenge, but Lubin Castagna would probably just be fireworks, man. That would be nonstop action where you would just edge your seat thriller, right? Thriller, thriller. But that's, I mean, that, that's probably all I got to say about that. Man. That's what I, I got in them, too. And, like, in a general sense, I agree with you. Because I think come around, you know, who knows when we redo this division. It's not going to be till 2022. But by the time we do it, I don't think we're going to see Charlo here. I don't think we're going to see Hurd here. I think it's going to be Lubin and Castaño, uh, number one and two. Uh, and whenever we, they're, I think the two of them are, headed for a battle 2022. I don't think either one are going to have a choice. They're going to have to duke it out because everybody else is going to move out of that division. They are going to be the consensus ones and twos across every website, Ring Magazine, ESPN, you name it, they're going to be number one and two. They're going to get it on next year. I have no doubt about that. I'm excited for it. I think you're right. That's going to make a better fight than probably the Charlo and Lubin. So. Do we move on to number one? Anything well, to add before we move on to let, drum roll, please? No, let's let's <laughs> just go, right? If All right, you, let's bring it on. If you guys haven't guessed it yet, our number one consensus pick by a, well, a landslide, by a little bit, is going to be Jamal Charlo. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jermel Charlo. I can't even believe I just messed that up. Jermel Charlo with 29 points. Uh, Raider Live had Jermel at number two. James and Rich, we both had Jermel Charlo at number one. Rich, I'll probably let you just take it away. I don't have much to say about this at all. We just touched base on this before. I, I still think he's number one in the division, but let's let's hear what he got. Yeah, I mean, he beat Rosario with that shot. Uh, beat Rosario. He beat Austin Trout, who knows how long ago. Erickson Lubin's the big one he beat. Uh, even going way back when, he beat Gabe Rosado. I mean, the dude just the dude is taking on all comers. And his only loss to Harrison was eventually avenged. And even in that loss, uh, I thought it was about a 6-6. James, you were at my place watching it. I was pretty wasted. I was like talking and talking and talking. I don't even remember watching that fight. But I remember thinking Tony Harrison is getting the best of them. But this is boxing. They're going to give it to Charlo. 
but the right guy won that fight. That first fight, I got to say, I wasn't paying close attention, but from what I saw, I thought Harrison was winning. Harrison got the nod. I thought he deserved it. Uh, but Charlo learned. And, you know, if that was like a 18 round fight, I don't know how to put it, but there was a rematch. Charlo knocked him out in the rematch. It wasn't even close. Charlo at number one for me. Fair enough. It, 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 he knocked him out in the rematch in the 11th round. So it did, it did go very far into the thing. But yes, Tony Harrison definitely beat Charlo the first time. He just played down to his opponents. I think that's, if there's any knock that I have on Charlo, is he literally plays down to his opponents, right? He doesn't, you know what he gives, you know what he can do, and he sometimes he just doesn't show up, right? I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but either way, I mean, I don't have too much else to say about that. 34-1-1, one and one, one draw, lost that one time to Harrison, which he avenged. He's still number one in this division right now, even with my opinion with Castano being beaten him. If it would have been official, probably would have flipped it, but not official, so until you take down the lion, it's kind of how it rolls, right? I, yeah, even if I don't know how much I know we're running out of time here, but like I didn't carefully or closely score the Charlo Castano fight. I based my opinion off of uh, Steve Farhood's scorecard. And again, Steve, like to, to recap, Steve, Steve Farhood had the fight scored at 114, 114, a draw with Castaño winning the first round. In my book, I had uh, Charlo winning the first round, so I would have it 115-113. So, you know, maybe uh, Farhood had a round wrong somewhere in there, but I thought it was a close fight. I'm not, again, I'm not mad at a draw. I, you know, I wouldn't even be mad at Castaño victory. Uh, just like you said, had that decision been reversed, I... I possibly maybe I would have Castaño at number one, definitely not at number four. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, James. I I think we've spent about uh, close to an hour together. I'm I'm sure you're as sick of me as I'm sick of you. Uh, let's uh let's have a little drink and move on with the show. Unless you got anything to add. One one thing, real quick. All, all right, I'll one thing, real quick. So there's only four. <laughs> there's four names that weren't on those top ten. I just want to touch real quick. I'm talking like 30 seconds on these guys, right? So number 11, overall consensus, we had Tim Tizu, who you already stated. And number 12, we had Israel Madrimov, the dream. Number 13, Magomed Karabov. And number 14, which you were the only one who had him ranked, was Terrell Gusha. Uh, that was not how I say his name. What a Gouche. Gouche. Way off. <laughs> was way or Gouche, Gouche, one of the two. Um, yeah. So either way, like, um, I guess... For me, I just want to touch base real quick because you actually had uh, uh, Israel Madrimov, the dream, the guy that I've been scouting for a while. You had him in the top 10. I want to know real quick because I didn't. I had him at 12. I want to know why you why do you have him in the top 10 given he's only 7-0 and with five knockouts? Because he has he has every tool as advertised. When you had him ranked way back when, um, I thought you were a little, not crazy, but maybe you were hung up on someone who was – uh, maybe getting all hype, maybe all, I hate the steak sizzle thing, but he may have been all sizzle. But when I watched him fight, you know, maybe a month later, that guy has got real skills. He has defense, he has offense, he has power, uh, and he has no fear. I don't think he's afraid to get hit in the face and he will hit you right back with all that he's got. I think he can beat a lot of these guys, maybe even every single one of them. I had him at eight because he hasn't fought anyone. He hasn't really beaten beaten a big name. So until, until you step into the ring with a very high-ranked top contender, uh, that's where I'm going to put you. And let me tell you, I don't think other websites are giving him the credit he deserves, and I think it's because he doesn't have the big names on his record yet. Does that make sense? 100%, man. He hasn't fought anybody. His last fight, we can even talk about. I mean, we talked about that a lot, a lot of show, uh, later show that it was, you know, he wasn't a knockdown, right? All that mumbo jumbo and all, and all that crap. But yeah, I mean, his, uh, I still think he's, I, I agree with that hardcore. I was just curious because I had him lower and you had him higher. And I was kind of super surprised that you had him in the top 10. 
So I really wanted to know why you had him in the top 10. Yeah, he'll be he'll probably be in the top five 2022 when this division has shuffled around. Uh, he'll he'll be in this division for the next couple of years, I think. Right on. Yeah, I'm going to guess uh, real quick. Last thing, I think Sebastian Fundora, I know we had him at number 10. I know he wasn't on our, our outcast board, but I think the towering Inferno, if he stays at 154, is going to be a fight. A fighter that is a difficult fight for a lot of people. I don't think he's going to stay at this weight class. I think he's just he's going to end up moving. He's just too tall. He's like six foot four at one fifty four, which is ridiculous. He's just it doesn't make any sense. So he's going to have to move up to one sixty and be dominant at some of these other weights. But I think that uh, Fundura, if he stays here, is going to be trouble for almost anyone uh, in this division as far as that goes. But I just want to touch base on two future stars to watch for: Sebastian Fundura, Israel Madrimov. Those are two big names wait for it they are going to increase in the next couple of years you heard it here folks on bruising boxing i will drink to that man good call all right that'll do it for us this week uh good show with you uh raider live we miss you uh judge before we call it quits where can they watch us if they're listening to us? And if they're listening to us, bang, 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 where can they watch us? Well, if you're listening know. to us and you want to watch us, you can go to YouTube backslash Bruising Boxing. If you are watching us and don't want to look at us anymore and want to just listen to our beautiful voices, you can go to any major podcast site and just type in Bruise and Boxing. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I guess on one last note, uh, usually I talk some nonsense about the Lakers. I talk nonsense about the Yankees, but uh, lost someone important in my life. My uncle Dean in New York. Uh, I have so many pleasant memories and so many good stories. I wish I could share. Uh, uncle Dean, I'll miss you. Uh, I'll drink to you. Uh, thanks for watching everyone. Be sure to tune in next week. We're hopefully going to, have a little game show. I got a little a little something in mind and uh, should be a fun time. So for Judge Jimmy James and for Raider Live, I've, I've been your hostess with the Moses, Filthy Rich. And thanks for watching. See you next week. <laughs>